You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello, my friend, and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. You know what's interesting is is I, I definitely get a lot of comments on the fact that my podcast is called How to Talk to Girls. Like, why isn't it called the Trip Kramer Show or Trip Advice? But the reason was is because I wanted people to find it and know what it's about. You know, Trip Kramer, that's not necessarily a, a big name, right? Unless you literally have been watching my YouTube videos for a long time. So you see Trip Kramer, you're not going to know what the hell that means. Or Trip Advice, you're going to think it's some advice on vacations or how to travel. So I decided to call it How to Talk to Girls five years ago. And you know what was interesting was the reason why I called it How to Talk to Girls was because that was the most viewed video that I had back in 2014. That was the, the most viewed video on my YouTube channel. I thought, well, you know, what better than to name it the title of what people want to learn? And at that point, it was How to Talk to Girls. So here we are. Anywho. Today, we have a great interview with Nick Notis. Nick Notis, he is a dating coach. He is has been around for a very long time. He's a great guy, knows a lot, has great information. Me and him see eye to eye on a lot of, of advice. And I had him on a few years back, back in 2016, I believe. And I wanted to have him back on the show and see what he's up to now. And boy, is he up to some interesting stuff. He's starting a new company that still gives dating advice, but in a more holistic approach, meaning he goes through all these different pillars of what it takes to have a well-rounded, balanced, and an attractive lifestyle and just a lifestyle that's going to make you happy. So that's why we're going to be talking about the six pillars of becoming your most attractive self. Uh, that is why that is the title of this episode, because that's what we're going to be going into. And that's what Nick is going to be teaching us today. Interesting stuff. You might want to take notes. You know, A lot of the stuff that he talks about reminds me of some of the things I talk about in terms of your outer qualities, right? I always say that in terms of attraction, it comes down to your inner qualities, which is your behavior and your outer qualities, which is like money, looks, and status, right? Things that you're always optimizing in the background and your lifestyle as well. You know, so things on the outer, some things that are not superficial or less important, they are important. Uh, just they don't hold as heavy as a weight as your inner qualities because your inner qualities and your behavior, your personality is harder to fake. So you're going to get a lot of good information on the outer qualities. And that's what Nick is going to be going into today. Just a reminder, if you are interested in doing coaching with me one-on-one, that is available at coachedbytrip.com. So if you need help with your outer qualities and maximizing and optimizing those, and you need help with your inner qualities and combining all this stuff to make you your most attractive self, we do that in the TripAdvice coaching program, which you can apply today at coachedbytrip.com. Every week, we get on a phone call and we go through what's going on in your life and we, we almost audit your life. And we say, okay, where is it going wrong here? Where is it going right here? Where do you need help in terms of becoming more attractive here? What can we do to make this better? So really, it's almost like life coaching, but also you know, really specific to dating and meeting women. So if you need help with meeting women, if you're feeling like you're struggling, if you feel like this is going to be a long winter that's going to be lonely, don't fret. I got you. I will help you. I'm here for you. Coachedbytrip.com. Go and apply today. 
And I'll reach out to you within 24 to 48 hours of applying and filling out the application. Okay, let's get into it. Here is my interview with Mr. Nick Notis talking about the six pillars. Hey, Nick, how's it going today, man? Hey, Trip, I'm good. How are you, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's great to have you back on the podcast. Yeah, you were you. on the podcast the first time in 2016. Is that right? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, so it's been four years. So it's it's good to have you back. And, and really, it's just great to see someone else in the industry like yourself who's been doing this for a long time and continues to do it for a long time. I think it's rare that I get to interview someone more than once who still resides doing this, doing dating advice and relationship advice and all that. So it's really awesome to see you, to see you grow. And, you know, it's interesting, like, you know, in, in terms of competition, you know, people, you know, the intuitive way is to know you want all your competitors to fail, but really the counterintuitive thing is you, you don't want that. You want everyone to succeed because really what it's doing is it's, it's, it's saying that there's a market and that there's an, an industry and it's alive and thriving and people are around. So I absolutely love my peers and colleagues and, and everyone succeeding. So anyways, my, my long drawn out you, point here is it's great to see you that you're still doing it. Yeah, and I feel the same way. It's it's tough to not only see someone for a long time, but I feel like who cares and, and tries to give good advice. And I feel the same way about you is from the very beginning when I heard your your content compared to a lot of other people's, just trying to give things, I think, from a more healthy standpoint, a more honest or integrity standpoint. So congrats on all the success too. Thanks, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. So we were going to have you on here today to talk a little bit about your holistic method. You said to me when we caught up right before this uh, podcast episode that the way that you do your approach and your company, Reconnected, is it right? Reconnected? Yep, perfect. Yeah. So the way that you do it is this holistic approach, meaning you have a therapist on board, you have a sex coach on board. It's like you have all these people doing different things and helping out. So maybe you can help us understand what do you mean by a holistic approach and why did you create your company to have all these different types of people and why is that helpful? Sure. The process really unfolded organically. So for a long time, I'd been doing coaching now, about 12 years. But then about four years ago, my current business partner, Reconnected, came to me with the idea of, hey, why don't we kind of host some in-person retreats, um, do a little bit different than the dating space, really make it about the experience as well, have a bunch of guys together, really opening up in a vulnerable way, practicing in, in that way, and kind of create more of a hands-on close experience. And what ended up becoming really apparent quickly was that as important as the, the going out meeting women and learning these practical skills were, the friendships that people started to make there were equally as important. Guys really started to get along. They even started saying in exit interviews that they didn't realize that they'd you know, many of them thought the friendships were the best part of the experience. They kept in touch after. Um, they even scheduled kind of summer trips together and so forth. So at first, we thought, okay, we're going to make a dating retreat. And then very soon realized, maybe there's something else here. And one of those areas is people missing real friendships. And so kind of that's how it began. And what also happened at those retreats is... And, and through my coaching over the last 12 years, is like realizing that people are coming to us with this surface level problem of dating. And there's a lot to learn there and a lot of skills that they need to, to understand and practice. But 
it's often a symptom of other things missing in their lives, right? They're, you know, don't have a girlfriend, but they also probably don't have many close male friendships. Or you have know, you found that? Like when, when when you have clients that come to you, when you dissect their life, have you found that most of these guys have all these other areas that are, for lack of a better word, failing? Yeah, funny enough, I would say the correlation is extremely high, especially in our industry. Is it's rare to find somebody who has the rest of their shit together, but then struggles with women. It's usually they might have one area, which is generally they have a decent job. They've worked hard to get into a career path that they're okay with. They might not be fully happy there. But outside of that, they're struggling with their personal relationships, their familial relationships. And even when they start dating and leading into a more exclusive relationship, they have a hard time maintaining that. So they can know how to get the girl. They don't really know how to keep the girl. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I think it's two different skill sets. Is You learn all these tricks of like how to have good body language, how to flirt, how to be social. But that you can't just put a Band-Aid on, on who you are. Like People will always see the deeper self. Women are obviously just like us. They're emotionally intuitive. They spend three, six months with you, a year with you. They're going to see everything that you don't have, right? Do you have a lifestyle for yourself? Are you independent? Are you emotionally communicative? Can you be vulnerable at times? Or are you still closed off and feeling insecure or codependent or performing? And so, yeah, fantastic. You can attract someone early on, but can you maintain being an attractive person for the long term? Got it. Okay. And, and what does that look like when you say that? Like, what, what, is, what does a person like that look like? Sure. I think it starts with kind of having a balance of what we call a kind of the pillars of connection in life. So one of them being, you know, good social life, friends, I think generally a good work-life balance, right? You're in a career that either you love or at least is, is providing stability to do something you love. Your health, both physical is, is obviously taken care of, but then also your relationship with your mental health. I think that's a lot of things guys forgo in the dating space is they've got a lot of trauma or insecurities. They have a hard time opening up with people. They have jealousy or controlling tendencies and they try to compensate with just some like little dating tricks. And so I think if you're missing any of those, you know, let's say four or five core pillars, then the rest of things start to suffer, right? Just quick example great, you date a girl and you start getting into a relationship with her, but you don't have any of your own independence or your own independent hobbies or you don't do things for yourself and you kind of put all your happiness in her hands, right? You become very codependent. And quickly that leads to a situation where she feels smothered and instead of feeling like an equal relationship where you're growing, it feels like a relationship where you need her to be responsible for your happiness and nobody wants to be in that position. Yeah, right. So, okay. So name the, name the pillars again. Okay. So I would say the, the core ones are social, dating, work, physical health, and you could probably put grooming and fashion in there, and then mental health or the relationship to yourself. It reminds me of something like the, the life coaching wheel. Interesting. You know never heard about. of it. No. So yeah, well, that's not really the technical term for it. But if you type into Google like life coaching wheel... What you'll find is something similar to that. Yours, I mean, everyone kind of has their own little way of doing it. They're just called a wheel of life definition. And it's okay. all the areas of your life, right? 
So like I just looked up one right now. So it's a it's a wheel, and all the different parts are personal growth, romance, family and friends, health, finances, business and career, physical environment, fun and recreation. Where you you guys have just kind of nailed it down to like a you know kind of easy four. So maybe we can we can dive into those separately and we can talk about each one of those. Like and and before we even get into that, yeah, definitely. I can imagine a guy being like, whoa, this is overwhelming. Like, what? So in order to attract women, <laughs> I got I gotta fix my whole life. What would you say to a guy who asked that question? Yeah, I think it's the journey that you have to look forward to. And I think the way you do that is not think about, oh man, I gotta do this to be attractive, or I gotta do this so that I'm liked by people. Rather, this is something that is some, I'm going to continue to grow over time. So it's a process. It's not something you need to immediately fix, but it's for yourself to say, you know, I want to figure out what makes me fulfilled and what makes me wake up every morning and feel excited to go out and live and do things. So it has to come from a place of patience. And I think it has to come from a place of a desire for your own happiness and you could say your own approval rather than thinking about the stress of like, I'm doing this for others. Right. And that's the whole point too, is the second you start doing it for other people and you're not kind of taking it in as something that you enjoy doing, it's just not going to last, right? It's not sustainable because then uh, you always, you can't hit those marks, right? You can't read everyone else's mind and some situations won't work out. And if you're placing the measure of success on there, you're going to fail at times. And that's what demotivates, I think, a lot of people. But if you say the measure of success is, Am I putting in the effort to build my own life? Even if there's some bumps along the way, then you're still always succeeding as long as you're trying again and, and working towards that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, that's that's great. Okay, so let's go into all the different pillars one by one and and dissect what it looks like to work on them. Sounds good. So but, you you tell me, where do you want to start? I mean, let's start at the obvious one is dating. This will be... A lot of your readers and listeners have probably heard a lot of this stuff, but I think it's just understanding some of the core mindsets on what make you an attractive person and then practically how to apply that to your own personality. So a lot of dating advice back in the day was about, you know, they would teach you some of the core principles of like, you should learn to lead and be decisive, be assertive. You should be someone that carries yourself well in your body language. But then they would kind of box you into, this is how you should do it. You should become this type of person. And I think that isn't sustainable because that's not real self-confidence or self-esteem. I think we're all individuals. We all have our own values and, and personalities. And so the way that I try to look at it is, here are the core principles you should learn. Here are some ways to apply that in life and then figure out how that resonates with your personality. So for myself... I'm goofy, man. I'm a nerd deep down and and I like to be really silly and loud and sometimes flamboyant. The core principle there is getting comfortable with your self-expression and vulnerability. But you don't have to be Nick Notice. You can say, cool, let me dig into myself and figure out what's my personality I want others to see. Am I somebody who is more sarcastic? Am I somebody who likes to get into more intellectual debates? And just getting comfortable with that. So I think becoming an attractive man in dating is understanding the core principles that we know for hundreds, if not thousands of years, but not saying I have to just put myself into a certain category, but rather figure out how to reflect on myself, be introspective, practice, and integrate that into my personality. And I think that's one final point is action. 
something I've always appreciated about you, man, is you always give practical advice because too many people sit around thinking about stuff. And I think a lot of the growth comes from actually applying it and kind of getting your hands dirty. I, you know, the thing is, is you're not the first person who said that. And I am always thinking like, I wouldn't even know how to not give practical advice. You do need to give theory too. So people sure. can understand why the practical part works. So you do need theory and practice. But yeah, it's, you know, it's like, I don't know how anyone could get results in their life if they didn't have instructions of practically what to do. What are some of the practical stuff that you tell people in terms of how to get better with their dating life? Yeah, I think I'll just talk about in terms of succeeding. One, focus on one area at a time, one or two things. And then from there, even break it down into smaller steps. So say you're right now, let's say you're an absolute beginner and you can't go out and make... Obviously, the the whole situation makes things difficult. But let's say you can't even make eye contact with beautiful women. I wouldn't tell you go approach 10 women right now. I think that's too hard. The bar is way too difficult and you're going to set yourself up for failure. And nor would I tell you to you know, think about, okay, here's how you approach. Here's your body language. Here's what you should say and, and so forth. That's how I used to teach a decade ago. If your bigger goal is to be able to approach women that you want, let's break it down into a bunch of categories that you feel like you don't have right now. Maybe one of them is you can't even make eye contact in those initial interactions. Okay, from there, what are small steps that we get to a point where we find a step that is still challenging you, but not so overwhelming that you're going to fail. So maybe you can't walk up to someone, beautiful girl, hold eye contact for the first 10 seconds. Maybe instead you can hold eye contact for a few seconds every day with a female barista or somebody that you know is safe. Or even if that's hard, maybe you can make eye contact in passing. So I think it starts with narrowing your focus to trying to accomplish one or two things at a time. And then even within those one or two categories, finding steps towards the ultimate goal so you kind of build your your way up to it. And then it becomes second nature and you can start adding other things in. And then I think for sustainability, finding some kind of accountability system as well as some kind of better inner critic. So just succinctly, if that's having a friend to do it with, if that's sharing it with somebody that can support you, if that's setting calendar reminders to go try something or setting blocks of time every day, just some kind of sustainable way that you can have some level of practice over time. Because if you just do it once and then you wait three weeks and you do it again, it's like playing an instrument. You're not going to get anywhere. But if you did 10 minutes every other day, you're going to be a lot better quicker. And then last but not least, it ties back into that idea of placing your success on your own efforts. So I think when you're doing these things, our brain tends to go to the negative inner critic of, oh my God, you're not doing enough. You didn't get that girl's number, whatever. I think you need to focus on your efforts and say, you know what? What matters most is that I even took the shot to go for the number and I'm really proud that I did. And start to shift the way that you look at it in the way that you would tell a friend. You wouldn't beat up on a friend every time they mess up. You would encourage them for the things that they're trying. So again, it's narrowing your focus, breaking down those steps, creating some kind of accountability, and then just being a little bit more self-compassionate. No, that's good. I like that. Cool. I like that. And, and that's exactly... Uh, well, not exactly, but very, very similar to, to what I teach yeah. in terms of breaking things down and, and making easier baby steps and, and not setting the bar so high. You know? So what would you tell a guy who's like, all right, I'm looking to get a girlfriend. And what would be, you know, I know there's there's a lot there. So 
just curious, like what is your very, very, very first one and two steps to a guy who says, you know, Nick, want a girlfriend, don't have one. What do I do? Honestly, it'd probably be, do you have any existing social life and do you have some friends and do you get out to anything for yourself? (laughs) Would be probably the foundation. But on a practical dating advice, I think it would be first trying to find the right avenues and environments that they want to do that in. Because I think when, when a lot of guys get into dating advice, they get into their head that there's only one way to do this. I got to cold approach women at bars. I got to go out on the street and talk to women and stop them. And you've been doing this as long as, as I have. And, and you know this, man. Like You can meet people anywhere. And so I think it's first finding out, like again, that integration of a holistic life. If I'm going to spend my day doing something, where would I actually enjoy it that coincidentally maybe aligns with meeting women? So I would tell guys, can you get into some activities? Like, can you go hiking? And there's plenty of people on the trails. Do you want to take a yoga class? Do you want to get involved in going to some botanical gardens or doing axe throwing? And if in-person stuff, especially right now, is tough, then obviously online avenues. But within even that, what avenues play to your strengths? If you're somebody who's already on social media and you have a lot of clout there, maybe you could try there. So I think mostly first, it's about figuring out where you'd want to spend your time that is actually enjoyable and fun and gets you into a right headspace first. And that also happens to align with women because you'll find it'll just play to your strengths. You know, you'll be in a good, good mindset. You'll find commonalities and so forth. Like I'll just tell you, if I'm on a hiking trail, I love hiking and I see endless amounts of beautiful women every single day that I hike in New England. And there's tons of stop-offs. If I am loving it and I am present, I am enjoying it and I have lots to talk about or share about the experience, then when we get to the stop-off, I'm not in my head like, oh, this is weird to talk to some woman or I don't know what to say because it's not weird. We have context. We have a shared interest. I don't have to think about what to say because I probably have a lot about my hike and what it felt like and, and what I observed. So yeah, I think it starts with finding the right environments and and doing something for yourself as well as with meeting women. Cool. I like that. Okay. So now let's let's move toward the next pillar. What would be the next pillar in your system for guys to work on? Yeah, I would say since we just kind of broached upon it is personal friendships. This is kind of one of the... This is social, right? Yeah, social. And you could tie family into that, but that's a bigger topic. But let's talk about friends. This is probably the core idea that sparked the bigger idea of this holistic thing is because when I dug into a lot of guys, they just didn't have any friends. And I forget who does this study, but they do it every decade for like the last 50 or 60 years. And they ask this question of how many real close friends do you have to call on in a tough situation? And the number in history has always been about five. And the last time they've done this, this decade, the number is 0.5. Most men have half a male friend that they could feel like they can count on. That's and crazy. It's, it's absolutely crazy, man. And then, right, you see guys that are obsessed with dating and pick up and they go out all the time to meet women. They have no fun for themselves. They have no personal growth or connections. And inherently, when that, when that is like that, one, they're going to, again, become codependent on somebody else. But then two, what, especially if you want to date a girl long-term, not many women want to be part of that life. <laughs> Their, their dream guy isn't just sitting around at a house obsessing over women seven days a week and doing nothing else for himself. That's not really attractive. So I think, yeah, 
getting into more friendships, you know, getting involved in some hobbies, making friends. Um, there's a lot to say there, but I think that the most important point that I've realized why men don't do this is just being proactive about it. They have a lot of people that they know or they've met at different events or colleagues or loose friends. And every guy's just playing the waiting game. They just don't reach out to other guy friends and they make excuses. Oh, they seem busy. Oh, they've got a life going on. And so they're expecting other people to reach out. But as you know, many guys are prideful and they don't want to, they think it's weak to reach out to other people and especially totally. other men, right? Yep. So yeah, first thing is just, can you get involved in some stuff? And then can you proactively reach out to those people to show them I want to connect and, and to give them value, right? To just make their day a little bit brighter. So can you remember something about them and say, hey, I know you were taking this bar exam the other day, text them, how to go? or you're going to kick ass at it, I have all the confidence in the world. Or sharing them a relevant video or article that you know they're interested in. Introducing them to a little dinner party you're going to and hosting, or an activity you're doing out with your colleagues and kind of merging social circles. Just being the first person to reach out and show people, I want to invest in this connection. I want to make your life a little bit better as well. Yeah, offering value almost. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly it. And then you realize people reciprocate really quickly and it changes pretty fast. You show people you want to like hang out with them and be a good time and be a positive influence. Most people want to want to dish it back out to you. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Let's go to the next pillar. Cool. Just talk about work real quick. Most of our guys, and I assume some of yours, are generally pretty well off. They worked a long time to get high up in their careers. And they feel pretty stable at that. But I tend to find one of two issues. One, they feel kind of stuck in the position. So they might be in an engineering position, but maybe they're not higher up. And they don't really know how to kind of move up in their own career. Or two, they got a good enough job, but it's, it's not fully satisfying. The work environment's not great. They're not feeling actually invested in what they're creating. But again, they don't take the leap to find something more fulfilling and they're scared of it. And so, listen, I know it's not easy to suddenly try to like switch careers or get a new job or change things dramatically. We all got bills and responsibilities. But you're going to be working including travel time, if you're doing travel, right? Most of your life of your week is spent at work. So if you can, you got to find a way to love it or find more connection or find more joy there. And I think that's where I try to inspire guys to, to recognize, okay, how do you make business connections there? How do you get closer to your colleagues or your bosses so that they raise you up? Or how do you start to network within your field? Because that's something also men don't do. They, they stay in a job, they work hard at it, but they don't really continue to network, continue to know the people in their industry, get out, reach out to them on LinkedIn. And that really hinders two points. One, we still know that, I don't know the exact number, but it's about 70% of all jobs are done through referrals. So you want to get a new job, you want to move up in your career, it's people. And then two, we know that switching jobs is the fastest way to leapfrog income, period. Like getting raises nowadays doesn't get you anywhere. You switch jobs two or three times, you suddenly like just massively increase your your worth. So that's why I think a lot of guys come in is they're happy, they're successful-ish, but they don't feel the full connection. They don't love their work environment and they don't know how to escape that by either getting in a better position or leaving. And the answer is people. Same thing as everything else we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting too, right? Is And what you said in the very beginning there is a lot of guys 
they spend so much time on their work that it, they don't end up spending time on everything else, right? Because they, because yeah. of course, that's what takes up most of our time. That's what we're, we're doing during the day. And so you and me are doing right now, right? This is what, <laughs> this is work. Like we're doing the thing that you know brings in the income and do and, and the thing that we like to do. So it can easily leave things to the side, right? And that's and you got to make sure that you're focusing on on a little bit of everything and balancing everything. What's the next pillar? Yeah, and I'll just say that they stay complacent. Like you realize a lot of studies of like once you get to that whatever it is eighty thousand dollars threshold, if you're lucky enough to get there. But a lot of our guys are quite smart and, and spent a lot of time on their education. But then they're just like, cool, I'm making good money, but I don't, I don't wake up in the morning and enjoy it. And Again, there's risk in switching jobs in there, but I think there's more risk in being quite unhappy for the next 30 years, just taking a paycheck, in my opinion. Yeah, no, totally. It's, uh, I mean, again, back to that same thing. It's what you're doing most hours of the day. You know, you should love it. Why shouldn't you absolutely love it? Like that's the majority of your time spent. Yeah, and if I can actually add, I'll add a personal experience. This This was really important to me too, is... Again, how does it tie to everything else? When I was doing coaching on the side about a decade ago and I was working in a position that I didn't love, I would come home miserable, man. I would come home emotionally drained and I would come home frustrated and, and feeling unsatisfied. And I was dating my girlfriend at the time and like it's impossible not to translate that to the relationship. Your energy's down, you have no motivation, you feel wrecked, you don't want to talk about it, you close off, you're abrasive. I think it is impossible, like you said, to spend 40, 50, 60 hours a year a week doing something that is making you miserable or, or at least not enjoyable and to not let that affect your personal relationships. Almost impossible. I've never met... It's very... I've, I don't know if anybody separates that really well. Oh, yeah. No, it's you're 100% right there. It's all very connected to each other. Well, everything is, right? And, and this whole... All, all these pillars are too. But especially here, if that's not going right, a lot of other things are going to be tough for you. Yeah, so, sure. Cool. Okay, so we hit dating, we hit social, we hit work, career. What's the fourth one? Fourth is, uh, I would say, physical health. So I'm not going to try to be an expert. I mean, there's plenty of you know physical health coaches and, and such, and we all know that's important. But I don't know. When you're young, especially, and a lot of these guys are in their 20s and 30s, it seems like something that you could put on the back burner. It's like, whatever, like I'm healthy enough. I'm in shape enough to be attractive. But again, it trickles in everything. And your energy is down, your libido is down. If you're not taking care of your physical health, let's say on the fitness or nutrition standpoint, everything, the way you carry yourself, your, your energy, your willingness to go out, your motivation, your willpower, everything is greatly diminished. Your irritability, all those things. And you know, you don't realize it because like I said, you're young and, and you get away with that stuff. And I'm still relatively young. I'm 33, but you feel the difference now. You feel the difference in, you know, not working out versus regularly working out or eating clean totally. and not. And it continues yep. to grow and you just can't ignore it. And it's not about like you have to be super jacked for a woman or anything. But I, I also do think it helps to just show a woman you're trying to take care of your health. You don't need to be perfect, but it's an indicator of the relationship to come. If she can trust, okay, this guy takes care of himself in a health-wise, then he's going to work on that for the relationship. There's this stability there. And then I, I guess that ties into the, the fitness and grooming. So same thing. Tons of people talk about it. 
but I, it's one of those areas I think guys are like, eh, it's optional. Like I got good enough clothes or whatever. It's not going to make that much of a difference. And what I notice is they mistake it for just like signaling prestige or status. And there's a lot of like resistance against that. Like, hey, I dress good enough. My clothes are okay. And I don't want to look fancier because that's, you know, being shallow or, you know, if a woman wants that, then she's shallow. And the truth is, no, it's again, what you're conveying to the world. You're conveying to the world, the psychology of, I take pride in myself and I take care of myself and I want to present myself well. Um, And there's so much that goes into that, that I think it's healthy for people to want that from you. To say, you know what, it is good to have my partner who like, knows how to be professional when he needs to or knows how to dress well when we meet someone here. And just if you look up sartorial psychology, when I tell guys to do this and they start looking at the research studies, it's everywhere, man. It affects first impressions, job interviews, uh, job success, prison sentences, mate attraction, basically everything. And I just try to convince guys that fashion and grooming is not some shallow pursuit, but a deeper message you're sending to the world about yourself. Yeah, I think a lot of guys don't know where to start. And I think that's why it gets tough for them. So where would you tell a guy to start in this case in terms of fashion and grooming? Yeah. First, fit is king. So you don't have to honestly spend a lot of money on clothes. And in fact, I think you can get away with not spending a lot as long as clothes fit you well. So first thing I would say is learn your body type. Learn how to get fitted clothing. Um, Either go to a store and have somebody do that get your measurements taken, um, look up. There's tons of great fashion blogs and, and so forth. Just so you understand, okay, here's my body type. Here's the way clothes should fit. And let me just get a really good handle on that. Because even if you start there and you wear, I don't know, jeans, some normal shoes and a fitted white tee, that still looks fantastic. You don't need to have name brand designer stuff and, and whatever. You just need to look like it's going against your body well. And then outside of that, I would say um, just getting a basic wardrobe down, right? A lot of it's really common, but they call it capsule wardrobes. Is I think a lot of guys why they don't start is one, they don't want to spend the money on the wrong things. So when you when you learn fit, then you feel more secure in like, okay, I know what to pick. And then two, they think they have to spend an upfront investment of five thousand dollars or six thousand dollars. And the truth is, if you get about ten pieces, you know, a white pair of sneakers, for example one or two pairs of jeans, a couple of a white t-shirt, a black t-shirt, maybe like a sweater that overlays and one or two jackets. You can mix and match a ton, especially with neutrals and get, you know, a dozen wardrobes out of that. And then all you did was learn, learn fit, learn what some basics are that can be layered and matched together. And that's probably better than, I mean, honestly, at least in Boston, (laughs) We're ranked as like one of the worst dressed cities in the U.S. Um, you're gonna hilarious. stand out. A, yeah, you're gonna stand out a lot more. So basic fit, basic matching, and outfit production will get you to a really good foundation. And then the rest there, if you get really obsessed with it, either you read more about it, or honestly, I'm biased, obviously, but I think going to a fashion stylist once um, is crazy. Just like going to a hairstylist. So I'll just talk about grooming. Same thing. A trick I tell guys is like. Look up a couple of photos of, of hairstyles you like, but obviously be open to something else. And if you're not going to always pay for a super high-end haircut, go once. Say, hey, I'm thinking about looking like this. I've never done this before. Go to a really, really nice salon. When you're there, after they're done, ask if they can take a couple of photos around your head of that. 
And then at least you have a reference that you can bring to other people if you don't want to continue investing in that. But if you've never treated yourself to a really nice grooming or a really nice hairstyle kind of session, absolutely. And most guys don't. They just go to their, I don't know, they go to a $30 barber or whatever, whatever they think looks well. And I'm like, no, go drop 50, 75, 100 bucks on a full makeover and then see the difference. And then you're just going to feel amazing. You get that confidence. It's like, what an easy way to get quick confidence, right? Yeah, 100%. It's funny. I never... Because you know, you're, you're taught back in the dating days, like it's all about internal confidence and approval. And of course, that should be the goal. But hell, man, if you look fly as hell and like you're wearing something nice and you look in the mirror, like, yeah, it's going to make you feel good about going out and presenting yourself to the world. So yeah, I right. think it's an easy, easy hack to kind of get a really nice quick boost. Cool, cool. Awesome. So we went through all the different pillars. Is there, there's, there's none left, right? Is that all of them? There actually is one more, which is just... Oh, okay. Uh, I thought there were four for some No, reason. no, no sweat. Um, your mental health. Um, Got it. Okay, let's talk about that. Yeah, I'll try to keep this brief, but same thing, man. I think there was a long stigma for a lot of time about seeing a therapist or kind of working on your mental health and trauma and depression and anxiety. And I was pretty apprehensive about it for a long time, even for myself. And... I realize as you work with more people, like, yeah, you can band-aid that stuff for a while. Okay. You know, you are dealing with trauma around opening up, right? Somebody hurts you. You have a hard time sharing yourself more authentically. Yeah. You can learn some tricks to be funny and tell some jokes and flirt assertively. But then what happens when you're having a moment alone with your girlfriend for two hours, right? And she feels like she doesn't need, she doesn't know you or she can't open up. And, and there's a lot of distance there. Or... Again, you're insecure about opening up. So you start self-sabotaging the relationship and, and pushing people away. There's so many ways that guys don't realize that if you're holding on to trauma, anxiety, self-criticism, and all those things, it's just going to manifest in your behaviors, whether you like it or, or not. Like You could try to mask it. You could try to counter it. But I think there's a marriage there that is much more important than even our industry understands, man. It's so rare. I don't know almost of anyone else that works alongside a therapist or, or really invokes it. And I hope that changes both on our end, but also on the therapy end. I think therapy also needs our practical, actionable side. And the marriage of them combined is so much stronger than alone at times. It's like clear out some deep shit, not just some like mindset leadership stuff, but you're holding on to all this baggage, you're hurt, whatever. Like work through that, but not just talk therapy. Then take that and, and combine that with the mindsets and the practical action of our work. And I think that's where guys really, really shine quickly. And, and that's where we saw it. I didn't notice it. You notice it in your one-on-one -on -one work sometimes. But it really came out in those kind of retreats where you know we, we plop six to eight people in a different city around the world, whether it's in Madrid, Spain, or, or Dublin and Ireland or San Diego. And they're isolated for four days. Okay, and they're just with each other. And you have really an extended amount of time together. Stuff pops up. People get way more open in group sessions and way more expressive. And people, it's crazy, man. I never imagined how many people would cry and open up and really have profound opening when they feel like they have a space to do so. So it wasn't something I was privy to myself. Even on one-on-one, -on -one, guys are they, they open up, but they don't really get open. But then you get a few people together and somebody takes the lead to open up. You realize how much pain guys are holding around. Um, and I think 
it's something we all just like brush off and we think is weak and we don't want to address. But the second you do, man, you can't just get some dating skills and hope it's all good. I think if you've got some deeper issues and trauma, you kind of do both. How does one find a good psychologist? Ooh, that's a good one. I know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've been trying to figure out that answer myself of how to, to give advice on how someone can find that. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, of course. Um, funny enough, my, my own therapist wrote a big article on it. I'll, I'll share with you personally. I think two things. One, okay. So first, let me, let me slow down. One, Take your time. you can do a little bit of research and see if they, you feel like they instinctively know their work. So if there's any work that you can see online that's helpful or, or somewhere where you can at least get a judgment, they seem to be professional, they seem to care, they seem to want to deliver a lot of value or be helpful. If that gives you clarity, I think that's a good starting point. Sometimes hard with a lot of therapists because they don't put a lot out there. Second, if you have personal referrals from people you trust that you feel yourself are quite in a healthier place or a healthy place, period, that's also been great, man. Is if you trust their judgment and you feel like they're in a place that you look up to, then talk to them if they've worked with someone there. But then, last but not least, I think you have to explore it a little bit. And you have to maybe do that first consult or give it a few calls. And there's two things that I would evaluate about the relationship. Do I feel heard and not just directed? Right? Do I feel like they're really understanding me and understanding my values in the way that I want to grow? Of course, they can advise. But are they not just telling me to do something else or be someone else or telling me it's wrong, but really understanding my perspective and how that fit, how growing mentally fits into what my values are and where I want to go. And then two, do you just feel like they care and you guys get along? Everyone goes through extensive training to be a therapist. So theoretically, and, and most of the therapy, if they're up to date, is pretty similar. I think the differentiator is, are they open to growing in the way that you want to? And do you feel like they care and you can trust them? I think the quality of the connection is at the core. So yeah, a little bit of it is knowledge. Like people want to know what's the best therapist. But honestly, I think the field is pretty well studied and pretty segmented and in, in that they teach things really well to most accreditable schools. But from there, it's like, can you chill? Can you riff? Do you feel warmth with them? Do you feel like they care? Do you feel like they listen? And you just have to evaluate, like, do we vibe well, basically? And I think that's the core of it because they're not going to... One therapist is going to tell you some magic secret that no one else knows. I think they're going to provide an experience of trust and connection and warmth in which you can open up and access a lot of the things you need to uncover. And that's where the growth comes. So the quality of the relationship yeah. is always the core. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's all about that and, and figuring out what relationship is best for you. I, I always say this, to add on to this in the more practical sense is try out a few therapists at first and see what fits. Don't just go to necessarily mm. one. Like Book a couple with a couple of, of people that you might be interested in. See if you match and go from there. That's, that's one way to do it. No, I think that's awesome. And I mean, it's like anything, man. I wouldn't get... I've realized owning a house, like you don't pick the first electrician you talk to, man. You probably talk to a few, feel it out. And same thing for a therapist. I think that's a great idea. Cool. So on the time we have left here, maybe you can kind of sum all this up and also tell us where guys can find you if they want to work with you and work with Reconnection. Uh, yeah, sure. Reconnected. Reconnected. Uh, Sorry. No sweat. Yeah. So 
Overall, I think the answer to sustainable, long-term happiness within ourselves and within our relationships and also being an attractive man comes from making sure a few areas of your life are taken care of and that you're not just only focusing on, okay, how do I meet women and how do I get better at them? Because that's not what makes you an attractive person. What makes you an attractive person to many women, for example, is being self-loving and self-confident and being expressive and having friends and having a sense of independence and boundaries. And all those things come from not just learning some dating tips, but learning about yourself, learning to improve your mental health, um, working on finding friendships that matter to you. And then she becomes one part of that life. Uh, I always say, I think a relationship, let's say romantic relationship, has really three connections going on. You have your own independent life, she has her own independent life, and then you have a life together. And so, yeah, everything kind of comes together. And this is, I think, it's, it's more prevalent than ever. Right now, I think people realized over the months that when those social connections are stripped away, we can't just fill that with like, I don't know, even dating. And I have guys who are dating women and they're still unhappy because they aren't seeing people, they aren't seeing friends, they aren't taking care of their health, they're not doing things that fulfill them. So I'm hoping, you know, one positive of all this is that we realize how much more important it is to be connected all around, connected to our health, connected to our friends, connected to our work, to really live the life we want to live. Awesome. Sounds good. Sounds good. So what's the website where they can find you? My personal coaching is just Nick Notice. If you type that in on Google, you'll find it, but it's nicknotice.com. And if you're looking for Reconnected, which is my larger relationships consultancy around all these pillars, it's livereconnected.com. But you could also just type in Nick Notice Reconnected and you'll find it on Google. Cool. We'll put a link in the show notes. Nick, thanks for being back on the How to Talk to Girls podcast for the second time. It was awesome. Let's not wait another four years to have you back on. I'm <laughs> yeah, glad course, you reached man. out to me and I'm glad we can make this happen. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. The pleasure was all mine. <laughs>